0: Welcome to Sunday evening Bible study. We are in a study of the Revelation. We have come to chapter four and verse one, and this next major section is what most people uh, look forward to in the in the uh, in the book of the Revelation. So we look at verse. We're only going to look at verse one because I want to talk about a. Uh, a doctrine here that uh, that is important in my view to the church. So let's just look at the Revelation chapter four and verse one. And I want to start with the first two words in the Greek text here: metatata, metatata, metatata. After these, or after these things. This is not the first time we've seen this phrase. I want to go back briefly to verse 19 of chapter 1 in the Revelation, which is the outline of this book of prophecy that Jesus gives to the Revelator. And he says, so write the things that you have seen. That's number one. That would be the Revelation chapter 1. And the things that are, that's number two, which is the Revelation chapter 1. Chapters 2 and 3, the churches. And the things that are about to take place, metatota, after these things, or after these. So we have come to this third and final section, which is the longest of the divisions. Roman numeral number one was just the Revelation 1. Roman numeral number two was the revelations, the Revelation two and three, and now Roman numeral number three begins with chapter four and verse one, and essentially goes all the way through to the end of the of the book, except for some final, uh, except for some some final exit remarks that are made to conclude the book. So after these things, I looked. After what things? After the seven letters to the seven churches, and after his his initial view of the glorified Christ in heaven, the Revelation one, and then the two, and then the churches. Interestingly, the word church does not appear again here in the Revelation from chapter 4 verse 1 until all the way to the very end and the, the uh, exiting remarks that are made in, in the Revelation 22 and verse 16. And he summarizes about these things for the churches. So the church is not seen and is not on earth from the Revelation chapter 4 onward the the church is gone the church is in heaven after the seven ages of the church now let me go back the two the two the two of the seven of the churches that should be most interesting to us in the year 2021 should be the Sixth Church, which is Philadelphia, and the seventh Church, which is Laodicea. Okay, I know we've studied this, but I want to I want to go back and briefly touch on it because it's relative to what we're going to see here. We're moving right through, and this is I haven't always felt this way, or I, or I have for a lot of time in my ministry. Sort of struggled with whether or not these. Seven churches were representative of seven ages of the church, but may I say, after forty plus years of preaching through the Bible and really having studied this, and then looked at having looked at church history, and studied what other scholars have said about it, and uh, especially uh, modern day conservative premillennial scholars, I have to agree that those seven churches are representative of seven ages of the church. And it's easily, it's really easily argued for uh, when one presents the general summary of, of the apostolic age, for example, which is the Ephesian age, and the suffering age, which is the Smyrnian age, and so forth. Um, it's, it's rather easy to make the argument Now, living at this late date, I mean, let's face it, we're 2,000 years hence, nearly, forward from the time the church was formed on earth on the day of Pentecost. So it's easy to see at this point in history, looking back over church history, how there were these different ages of the church and what the church struggled with during those, and how Christ applied applied himself to the problems of each of those ages of the church. And so now the next to the last one is the Philadelphian age. And we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. And the Philadelphian church was the church that would be raptured. He said, I will keep you. I will guard you. I'll protect you from the hour of trial that is about to fall on all of those who dwell on the inhabited, inhabited earth. Now, from this point forward, I'm going to use a phrase that you'll hear Quite often, and it's a phrase that depicts those who are still on Earth during the tribulation. I call them Earth dwellers. Earth dwellers are those who will not repent. Tribulation saints are those who have repented, and they include both Israel and the Gentiles. Uh, but but a great deal of this, through a great deal of this time, we're standing on Jewish ground, and 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 yet still the blessings. Uh, flow into the Gentile world as well. But those who are saved in those seven years from the Revelation chapter four here onward are tribulation saints. They're not, they're not like we think of it as the church. Uh, they, are, they belong to the 70th seven year period of Daniel which closes out which, what the angel said to Daniel. I'm going to tell you what applies to your people. 77-year periods, and there's a distinct uh, and abrupt interruption of the flow of those 77-year periods when Messiah is cut off or killed. That, that closes the 69 seven-year periods, and then the 70th picks up later here in the tribulation, which is a seven years of tribulation. Now, the Philadelphian church which is the the church of zealous missions and evangelism uh, uh, that that can't be compared to any other age of the church, is the church that is raptured away, that is caught away, that is carried out of the tribulation, and Christ does not allow that church to, uh, to suffer in the tribulation. The tribulation has another purpose. It is not the purpose of the tribulation (laughs) to introduce the bride of Christ to the wrath of God. That's plainly taught in uh, Thessalonians. Uh, So the purpose of the tribulation is to close out the 77 year periods that were determined for Israel, uh, the people of of Daniel. But as always, uh, there are certain Gentiles who enjoy the blessings uh, that come for Israel, that come upon Israel. And so there are among the tribulation saints, there are Gentiles uh, who are saved as well in the tribulation. The word, the term "church" here, from the Revelation chapter four onward, is not seen until the final summary uh, and the closing remarks of of the book. But all of the action that's at, that, that's that's not the action of the tribulation. That's just those are just closing remarks. Has nothing to do with any of the action. Of the tribulation, all of the action of the tribulation is applied to earth dwellers and tribulation saints, and and the world comes under a tremendous uh, judgment from God, and it and it seems to be exponentially increasing from the breaking of seven seals to the to the blowing of seven trumpets and finally to the pouring out of seven bowls of wrath. Uh, all of this all of this uh, judgment, the wrath of God is increasingly poured out so that anyone would have to say, you know, if that didn't do it for you, you just are irreparably lost. You're just not of the elect. If all that God has done, and for the first three and a half years, you're going to have these two witnesses preaching. And to me, What they're going to be preaching from primarily would be the book of the Revelation. They're going to say, we're these two guys that are mentioned here, and we're going to tell you what's going to happen next because it's in that book. And then here it comes. And the people hate the messengers because of the judgment that falls on them. And so they said, okay, that's come along. And the Bible says, and they would not repent. So then the next thing, and so the the, tribula- the uh, two witnesses would begin to preach again about the next round of judgment because it kind of, and they would have to they would tell them it's coming right from this book, the revelation, but they would not repent. And then you have 144,000 who preach and then the angel who preaches in midheaven at the end of the thing. I mean, you have the gospel preached all the way through those seven years in a In a miraculous way, and as a matter of fact, in those seven years the the preaching of the gospel is is a, especially in the case of the two witnesses is attended to with miracles um, so you get to the end of that, and you have some very hard hearted people and not a whole lot of people left in the world because of the judgments that have killed so many of them but uh they um they, they, face their, they face their final judgment and then in, in their hatred of Christ, that they, they gather to, uh, to come against the returning Christ uh, as though they could fight him in a war uh, to, to fight the returning Christ. That's way on over there. The, but the foundational principle here of what I'm saying is that the church is not there. The word church is not there the activity of uh, of the church is not seen. The church is not evangelizing the world anymore. Evangelism and the work of preaching the gospel is no longer in the hands of the church. The church is in heaven. After this, or after these things, Me, metatata. After these things, I looked and behold, a door was standing open in heaven. Now, the last time we saw an open door was the door that Christ had opened for Philadelphia. And he said, I open a door that nobody can shut. So it was a door of opportunity. It was a door of evangelism. But I suppose metaphorically, that door of evangelism can lead that kind of a zealous church, a Bible-believing church, trusting in Christ who is God in the flesh kind of church whose word is perfect and a church who has guarded and protected the word of God and the name of Christ and the person of Christ the doctrine of Christ that kind of church would just go right through an open door of missions opportunities and evangelism opportunities right through an open door that's that's standing open in heaven uh, which to me uh, in a sense illustrates uh, illustrates the rapture Now, I know that this is not a direct reference to the rapture, but it does tell me that what has just been reported in chapters 2 and 3 is gone because the first word in the Greek text of of the Revelation chapter 4 is after. And the phrase is after these things or after these so whatever preceded those words in, in, in the Bible, in, in the book of the Revelation, whatever was before that is gone, because now this from here on is after that. It's, it's temporal. It, it's, it's a time reference. This thing is chronological. You can't get away from that. And if you interpret the Bible literally, which is the way it's intended to be interpreted, unless we are told to interpret it otherwise in the, in the scriptures... Um, the only way you can interpret the Bible literally is to see the book of the Revelation as a thing that moves chronologically. So here, this is the introduction of the, of the third major section of the book of the Revelation. And so here, from verse 1 in chapter 4, everything from our standpoint right now is future, future. It is future to you and me. Uh, maybe the Laodicean church, which I think I'm, I know is already on the, on the world, and there are fewer and fewer evangelizing churches and more and more of these lukewarm churches, the Laodicean church is, is already here. So here from, from verse one in chapter four onward, everything, um, everything is, is future, so we understand then, in our interpretation, that everything we see here is literal. All of these prophecies, all of these judgments that fall, these things are to be viewed as being in the future. And they're to be viewed as literal judgments that God is going to pour out on this world. Um, and, and the Greek text supports that uh, completely and absolutely. That, just to look forward just a second in chapters four and five. In chapters four and five of the Revelation, we see an introduction and a background to the tremendous sweep of the events of prophecy that are predicted in the rest of the book. So uh, we have this wonderful adventure here of being able to look at what is going to happen probably not very far from now. Uh, there's so many things to be said about the lateness of the hour and the nearness of the rapture of the church. Uh, we know, for example, we know that the Laodicean age is already upon us because of what we see in, uh, in, in these huge uh, groups of the church. Um, I suppose the, the, the largest representative of the church I don't say so-called representative, would be the Roman Catholic Church. And if you listen to the Pope, and they they, hold, they adhere to a, a doctrine that's called the infallibility of the Pope, so what he says is like the Word of God, and he's infallible. And if you listen to that guy, you're convinced that if you're not listening to the false prophet of the, Reve- prophet of the Revelation, you're listening to somebody who's very close to that. Um... There's a global crisis right now you and I find ourselves in, at least that's what they tell us, and I'm, 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 I'm watching to see what kind of rush to globalism there's going to be in the weeks and months ahead, and we may not have weeks and months as the church, and I hope not. And if that scares you, you something's wrong with you. If, you. if you're scared of standing in the presence of Christ and getting out of this world and into that world, then you need to check up on yourself uh, relative to Scripture and, and your salvation because this is the best. The, Paul writes to Titus, he calls it the blessed hope of the church is to be caught away and caught out of this place. So what's the, what's the world? This is, you know, I, we've never seen anything where the whole world is immersed in a so-called crisis like this where the whole world is told to stay home and not do anything. And to me, it's something that God can use and will use and is using to straighten out the church and to maybe let us know, you know, you better watch it because it doesn't take me long to shut down a a job. It doesn't take me long to shut down the world. It doesn't take me long uh, to shut down the stock market. It doesn't take me long uh, to get everybody to thinking about global unity which is which is the identification of the world in the in the consummation of the age, you know we need to we need to be still and know that he is God and listen and ponder and think and wonder and and be in prayerful meditation about what these things mean to the church and not only to the whole church but to us as individuals within the church and uh be prayerful and be thankful and, and and be repentant and be confessing our sins and be prepared in our hearts uh, for what I believe is the soon coming rapture of the church. Um, because then, according to what Paul writes to the Thessalonians, he who restrains, and that's the work of the Holy Spirit in the church, or that's, that's the Holy Spirit, and then that which restrains is also written. One's in the masculine, the other's in the neuter. Paul writes about it in his, in his letter to the Thessalonians. When that's taken out of the way, then the man of lawlessness is revealed. Well, there is still this restraining work, the restrainer, who is the Holy Spirit in the church, and the restraining work, which is the work of the church, preaching and teaching and evangelizing until the last of us is saved. In this time of the church, and then we're caught away when this era of the Gentiles is fulfilled, uh, when, when that part of the church is fulfilled, we're caught away. Uh, we, have this, we have this time where we don't have anything better to do than to read the Word of God and to ponder and contemplate the actions of Christ. If you're a born again, bought by the blood, spirit, baptized, Bible believing Christian, you know that Jesus is coming again. And if you really are a student of the Bible, especially if you take it literally, you know that we have to be living in the last days. Uh, There's no other era of human history except maybe the days of Noah. There's no other era of human history that matches uh, the vile depravity that is in open display across the world today. Nothing like it. And and people in mockery of Jesus and his word, the word of God in the church, uh, and churches being persecuted. You've read, like I have, how how abortion clinics have been left open and churches have been closed in the time of the coronavirus. Uh, We should understand that these things, we don't fight against flesh and blood. We fight against spiritual powers. And we need to, we need to, awaken ourselves to the world around us and, and know that God is always up to something and this time he's up to something on a global scale that we can see. Now we know that he's always working in the world by his Holy Spirit bringing his own to himself but we can't see that. I don't know who got saved in China today or in Iceland or whatever, wherever. I don't know. But I do know that the whole world is shut down right now. So this is a, this is a global thing. And this is, it's always God who would speak. And he would speak to his church. He speaks to his own. The earth dwellers, uh, you know, there's, I, can't, I can't speak for the earth dwellers. But I can speak for the church. And uh, the, uh, the care of Christ is for his church. And if the wrath of God is about to fall then uh if in the tribulation and i when I say the wrath of god i you know i it, it'll be unlike anything the world has ever seen uh these these natural cataclysmic events, supernatural events, asteroids smashing into the earth and uh water turning into blood and all of the fish dying and then a third of the world burning up and the smoke that would be everywhere, people choking to breathe um, and the loss as it moves on, the loss of all the economies of the world and no man can do anything. The ships are stopped and, and the trade is stopped and Babylon falls and the world system begins to crumble As the world prepares for the return of the king of kings and the establishment of the true righteous kingdom that is the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, and its king, the king of kings, our Lord Christ. Uh, This this world is in, I believe, in rapid preparation uh, for these things. And I look at the Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1 and I see that these are all future. And as we get into it, we're going to see that, you know, We see, we see these things on the horizon. These we can see how these things are going to happen, Uh, these things of judgment. Well, let me get through with verse one here. After these things I looked, behold, a door was standing open in heaven, and the first voice that I heard like a trumpet was speaking with me, saying, Anaba Hode, ascend to hear. Well that's great. Ascend to hear. Now that, you see, I'll tell you, that is in the imperative. That's a command. You're not going to thank God. Thank God. Now, it, I, know it's, I know it's John being, being brought into that place where he can have these visions and all of, of what he's going to see in the spirit on the Lord's day and see all the things of the future like the Lord allows him to see. But it's it to me is a little bit representative. I mean it's not like the you know the trumpet will sound and the voice of the archangel. I know I know about all that, but this is sort of illust- it, it's it's an illustration in my view, because it's an imperative, it's a command, when he says, Anaba horde, ascend to hear, and I will show you what is necessary to take place. Meta tata, after these things. Okay, church is in heaven, church is gone. Might might be tomorrow, might be tonight, I don't know. But the church is gone, restrainer is removed, the salt and the light are gone from this planet. And if you think the world is wicked today, and if you think there seems to be sort of an unrestrained evil, you better think twice about that. Can you imagine can you imagine the unchecked, vile, evil that will fall upon this world when the church is no longer here? The Holy Spirit working in the church is not working like that anymore as a restrainer. Now, the Holy Spirit is everywhere. He's God. and But as His work is in the church, that's taken away. And He no longer is seen as the restrainer in the world, working through the church. And when that's, when that's gone, man, after these things, it's necessary for you to see what kind of crazed humanity exists. Those who live in darkness and who will not come to the light. Those who oppose God and his Christ and the testimony of Jesus and the word of God. They're all identified through here. Those very phrases are used all the way or in a couple of places on over here. And and the world just collapses into this darkness and then it necessitates the increasing judgments of God until humanity is so squeezed that there's nothing left to do except then to judge them. And then to bring forth the thousand years of of the kingdom age onto the earth and then that which follows after that uh, which we will study we're given a very brief glimpse of it over at the end of the of the book of the revelation okay so i'm thinking now of the doctrine of the rapture of the church um Divine wrath is coming upon the whole world, but we are not designated for wrath. That's what Paul writes to the church in First Thessalonians chapter 1. And he says it more than once. I mean, the Word of God doesn't really need to say anything but once, but he says it more than once. I'm not going to go through all the, the scriptures here. But it becomes very clear that the wrath of God that falls upon those who dwell on the earth is not intended for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a teaching of the New Testament. It's very clear, very clear. Now, the hard-hearted, unbelieving nation of Israel will enter into her 70th seven-year period, which is the time of Jacob's trouble, the time of Israel's trouble. And Israel will be saved. By the end of that, Israel will be saved. You have to compare what's said in Zechariah, but the Lord comes in power and glory and rescues Israel, those who are still alive. He rescues them. And they look upon the one whom they pierced, Zechariah says, And there will be a great weeping and a great wailing and a great cry. And the cry will go from the nation to tribes, to families, to couples, to individuals. Weeping and lamenting unlike anything that Israel has ever suffered. When they realize the wasted years, how they had been dispersed from the land only to be allowed to come back at the end of days so that there Christ could save them. And yet when they think back on the years of their fathers who had rejected the Christ of God for those 2,000 years, and because of that rejection, Jerusalem was destroyed, the temple was destroyed, and their way of life was decimated, and they were forced into all of the world, and... For whatever reason, mostly hated wherever they've been. Uh, It's a no wonder they cry and mourn the way and grieve the way they do when they look upon the one whom they pierced in confession and repentance at the at the end of the tribulation. So I could, I could, I could spend an entire year-long study with you on the doctrine of the rapture and the details of of why, according to the blessed holy word of God, according to it in its original text, why I believe in a pre-tribulational, premillennial rapture. Uh, but I'm, I'm just going to suffice it with just the study of this verse 1 in chapter 4. You're going to see with me as we go through this study that the church is not mentioned ever again until the summary, until the very last three or four verses, the word the, the plural, churches, is mentioned because this is to be sent out to the churches, and the churches need to understand the, uh, the studies and the teachings that are in the book of the Revelation. Okay, well, we will get into, God willing, on Wednesday night, we'll get into verse 2 of chapters 4 and 5. Man, it's a worship service unlike anything that's ever been seen. Can you imagine the whole church from the first day of it in Pentecost to the last day of it at rapture? the whole church together with the assembly of angels. Now, it's not time yet for the resurrection of Israel. We'll get to that as we get into the Revelation. The resurrection of the church, the rapture and resurrection of the church is one event of a series of events that make up the first resurrection. And uh, the conclusion of that would be the, the resurrection of Israel spoken of in Daniel chapter 12. Uh, and we'll see that later on. But can you imagine the marriage supper of the Lamb and the completed church, the Bride of Christ? And together we are seated. My daddy used to always say this to me. He always used to ask the question, I wonder who I'll be sitting next to. <laughs> well, the marriage supper of the Lamb, the glorious glorious event that will happen after we're resurre- after we're raptured and resurrected and then we go we get to go pick out a horse <laughs> a white horse and learn how to be an army to follow Christ it's going to be great and while all of these things are going on in heaven all this activity in heaven and there is an allusion here and there to the activities in heaven across Across the Revelation from chapter four onward. But most of the most of the focus is on what's happening to the earth dwellers. The church is safe. The church is secure. The church is in heaven. But then here are all these earth dwellers. The 70th Shabbat, the 70th, seven year period designed for Israel. The time of Jacob's trouble. Time of the tribulation works its way out and plays out according to the will, purpose, and word of God. And yet we're in heaven during all that time. Well, okay, we'll stop there. Pick it up, verse 2 next time. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, Lord, we know why it's called the blessed hope. Father, we feel the nearness. Of the rapture of the church. I do. As thoughtful students of your word. All of our senses tell us. That as these things happen on a global scale today. With such rapidity. that it might be that you are drawing all things to a close and that after you take us out of the world, your wrath will fall. Lord, as long as we have these days, give us the strength and resources to preach the gospel to others all around the world and use this time as we know that you will for your glory. Bless our nation now. Bless the leaders Help them. Give them wisdom and guidance as only you can do. Bless Shiloh, Lord. Help us to be obedient to your teachings and to follow the way of Christ always. It's in his name we pray. Amen.